Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Welcome to Midweek in the Word. We're thrilled that you're joining us for another week. As always, I'm Pastor Brad, the Adult Ministries Pastor at Faith Bible, joined by our preaching pastor, Pastor Tom. Welcome again on this snowy afternoon. Yes, it's a pretty afternoon. Thanks. <laughs> it's starting to melt, admittedly. <laughs> uh, so hopefully we get some some warmer weather tomorrow, I think, as well. Um, well, here we go. Uh, week number five, uh, we are in Route 66, snapshots from Gem- Genesis to Revelation. And you had the the character of Isaac that we talked about a little bit last week getting ready for in Genesis 21 through 28 this week. So as always, just kick us off this afternoon by bringing us back to Sunday's sermon. What did we learn about God from the person of Isaac and the work of God in his life? Well, I think the thing that is starting to show up going through the journey is the number of times that God reveals himself with a special name Mm. and uh, naming a child and what it means. So the Isaac name meant laughter. And Mm. it was interesting rolling in and his father heard he was going to have a child at an elderly age and he fell on the ground laughing (laughs) It said, the angel of the Lord said, a year from now, be back, and uh, your bride, Sarah, will have a child. And she laughs behind the curtain, and then she mm-hmm. lies about laughing. Mm-hmm. So then when he's born, she says, you know, so who would say that they would find laughter over me? So that mm-hmm. the name, so, it, it, so you start to see that God is progressively revealing more of himself through a name. Uh, he said to Abraham, he said, uh, I will make your name great. So that, that there seems to be something there. Mm-hmm. So just uh, as, as we looked at the Isaac story, we see that we know God as God. We know him as the Lord God, the relational God. Uh, we see that he is the God who sees. Uh, he is the God who hears. Once it's called the judge of all the earth, he's the everlasting God. Uh, he's the God most high. Then he's the God of heaven and a God of earth. But in this one, he pro- proves himself to be the Lord or the God of the womb. Mm. And we start that barren womb narrative. And uh, so I think that he is showing himself to, as the creator God to be great and mighty and in charge of everything. His sovereignty is huge here. Mm. Which kind of reinforces that concept that you've talked about in the past as far as, you know, even in Genesis 1 through 3 where we get introduced to this all-powerful God. And then we zoom in on humanity and introduce to this really intimate relational God, yep. uh, which seems to really connect to the idea of the God of the yeah. womb who cares about your family, cares about the situation of your life, cares about the fact that you're wrestling with this challenge, um, as many do, and you noted on yeah. Sunday yeah. Uh, how she was as well. well and, and you see his care for Hagar. I mean, mm-hmm. she's just an Egyptian slave that's thrown into a surrogate relationship, and then her mistress, uh, Sarah, gets angry at her and sends her out, and God sees her, hears her cries, brings her back, and then yeah. Abraham sends her away with Ishmael, and they're uh, thirsting to death in the wilderness, and God hears and re- responds. So, and then he also, yeah, just he's very much aware of the sorrow of mm-hmm. Sarah's heart, and he visits her and speaks to that need. So, yeah, he's the God that, that knows our afflictions, our sorrow, and uh, cares. He's very intimate. Yeah, it's a good reminder of of who God is as we studied Isaac this week. Um, But moving from that, um, as we looked at the person of Isaac, as we looked at his birth and then his life, what did we learn? What did he reveal to us about mankind, about ourselves? 
Well, I, I think the, the Isaac one that is most intriguing is that he knew the will of God, but he had his own desires. And, mm-hmm. and the, the affection he had for his son, because he was what he considered a man's man, mm-hmm. and it seems as though Isaac was uh, f- uh, thought fondly of his mother, but God had already revealed before their birth that the younger would lead the older, the older would serve the younger. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, as, as even as God's working that out when uh, Esau sells his birthright, but at the end, he still wants the blessing, and Isaac knows what God's will is, but he still tries to mm. bless the oldest in order to get his own way. Uh, so, and, and I think the other thing is that father and son are both worshipers of their bellies. Mm. Uh, they, would, they would give anything. His dying desire is just to have a good meal. So you start to see that, that we are very fleshly, very very self-centered, um, and that even when we know what God's will is, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, it's still our nature to rebel against and do it our way. And it does kind of bring us back to the subject we had last week, talking about narrative. And, and when you look into character development, Jacob and Esau are really fascinating that way. Yeah. You know, Jacob, the deceiver, yeah. the smooth skin, you almost get the slippery idea, you know, the <laughs> details. And then Esau, more this animal-like impression you get of him, which which is an odd caricature, but we recognize it's essential to the way they're... Those yeah. details are essential to the story and yeah. where it takes the plot, too. Yeah, and, and like I said, uh, the storyteller uh, accentuates those distinctives. Mm-hmm. You know, you're thinking, man, you've got, you've got all these years of story to tell, <laughs> and then you take time to see smooth skin, he's as hairy as mom ties goat skin to him, his dad feels that, so yep, this is my, this is my hunter boy, <laughs> and you're just like, wow. But all that detail in there, as you said, it reflects the character, mm-hmm. so it, uh, it reinforces the narrative all the way. Well, hopefully we get the opportunity at some point to step back to narrative and talk specifically yeah. about character and, and their role in stories and biblical narrative. Um, but for the time being, let's move forward with Isaac and, and remind us of how the person of Isaac pointed us to Christ this last week. Yeah, I, I think it, in, in we, we, we tackled it in kind of a reverse order. We read about the sacrifice in Genesis 22 and then told the story of Isaac so you could really see uh, what a character he was. Hmm. And obviously, you almost didn't like him, you know, by the time you got mm-hmm. to the end of the story. But then you go back and say, and he was the sacrifice that God had required from Abraham. And then God steps in and rescues him. And so in in first reading, you go, wow, that was great timing. Right before Mm -hmm. the knife falls, God rescues him. But then you look at it and go, well, it's because he is a blemished sacrifice. He is a sinful man. If he died, he would have only died for his own sins. He could not have been a substitute for his father because, or for the family because he wasn't. And then, and then there's that, that mysterious ram that is caught by the horns. Hmm. And you realize had the ram been tangled in that briar any other way, he would not have been unblemished and spotless, so he couldn't have been a substitute. So even God orchestrating, so it points us again that we were redeemed by one as though he's an unblemished and spotless, the Lamb of God. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's a good reminder of, was was Isaac going to be the snake crusher? Yeah. Nope. Another yeah. one that wasn't the snake crusher. Yeah. I was listening to a, a podcast this week from somebody else, and they, 
They were talking about a relationship this pastor had with an individual, and he was a new believer, and they were talking through Genesis, got all the way through the end of Genesis. And the guy looks at him and says, I don't think I approve of any of these people, <laughs> you know, almost in shock. Like, shouldn't I like these biblical characters? And Genesis just reminds yeah. us over and over again that these were fallen men, but for the grace of God, which you talked yeah, about and, a lot and, in Isaac's life. And hang on the next two weeks, because the one you think you're really going to like and you would vote for gets displaced by one you don't <laughs> like at all. So exactly. the story is really ugly before we get to chapter 50. Exactly, exactly. But it all just anticipates Christ. It's yeah. a good reminder of, of what we're looking at there. Well, well, that was kind of the review of the story of Isaac. Um, so this week, though, I, I want to step aside a bit from the more technical dialogue that we've been having about how do we study Scripture. And I want to talk a bit more about how we prepare our hearts to read Scripture. And you know me, I like to kick off discussions a bit with a quote. I, I find other people put things better than I can myself. Um, and I like how David Mathis in his book, Habits of Grace, talking about the spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. puts the reading of Bible. He's talking about the reading of Bible, and he says this. The Bible is no magic book, but a strange enigmatic power stirs when we reach for the scriptures. Something influential, though invisible, is happening as we hear God's word read or spoken and when we read or study. Something supernatural but unseen transpires as we see the text in front of us and take it into our souls. Someone unseen moves. He is a personal force, fully divine and fully mis- or full of mystery, more a person than you or me, and yet no less an indomitable and ultimately irresistible power. He makes the seemingly simple into something supernatural, as reading the Bible takes us beyond the realm of our control. He loves to strengthen human souls in obvious and subtle ways as they encounter God's word, whether that word is the incarnate Christ, the gospel word of salvation for sinners, or the written word in the scriptures." And as many of our listeners probably have guessed, and he goes on to clarify in the book, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And so this week, I want to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in our Bible study and how we prepare our hearts accordingly. So Tom, help help us understand a little bit here. What role does the Holy Spirit play in the reading, hearing, and studying of Scripture? Well, it it begins with recognizing his authorship, Mm. that uh, his very breath is what we're handling when we read it, and so uh, beginning with that sense of awe, the very one that breathed the breath of God into man in Genesis 1 is the Mm -hmm. very one that breathes in these truths and the words. So reading it, hearing it, and studying it has to begin there. And then as a result, it begins with a sense of dependency Mm. that the best way to find out what the author's intent is is to ask the author what he meant. (laughs) And we have a unique privilege of asking the author, what what does this mean? So that's where going in with a prayerful attitude starts is just... This is, this is your word. You spoke it. You must help me understand. Yeah, as as Second Peter one twenty one puts it, for no prophecy was ever produced yep. by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The authorship of the Holy Spirit being critical, and and why is it so important to remember this as we approach God's word for ourselves? How does it affect how we approach God's word? Well, it is a living and active, sharper-than-two-edged sword word. It it has an intent and purpose that goes beyond mm. enlarging our informational yeah. download. Yeah. And uh, so I, I was thinking about uh, the, the famous J. Vernon McGee, my beloved, 
who was asked, how do you find time to study to preach through the scriptures every five years and also find time for devotions? And he said, there is no distinction. The Mm. preparation to preach is devotion, and Mm. devotion is a preparation to teach and preach. So uh, when we approach the scripture, we understand that it will change me. Uh, It goes, that's its whole purpose. And uh, so it, according to Ephesians 5, it, it washes us like the water of the word. It, it pierces the inner part of our soul. So uh, when it, it's important to keep that. When you open the scriptures, expect to be injured mm. <laughs> and expect to be cleaned and perhaps convicted and at the same time to find a great sense of grace there. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. You know, thinking about realizing the Holy Spirit spoke it, the Holy Spirit is working in us. And so what sort of a, a posture should we adopt? You know, you talk about expectantly approaching yeah. the scriptures. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit more to that idea? Well, regrettably, most of us are driven to the scriptures in a moment of crisis. Mm-hmm. We come with a sense of desperation or need, or we come kind of legalistically, ritualistically. Yeah. Okay, I've got to read my devils today, so I do it. And so our mindset is not necessarily to let God speak and to speak to me as he chooses to do so. So it's really a a sense of humility, a sense of hunger, a sense of anticipation. And I I think also a readiness. Whatever he says to me in here, I must be ready to Mm. obey. Yeah, it's a, either either that or I have to use a black highlighter. <laughs> so I don't like what he said. I'm going to mark that out. Yeah. So if we're not going in with an attitude of submission and expectation, then uh, he's not going to let the word do the work he designed mm-hmm. it to do. Yeah. This last week I was teaching on the authority of the Bible, and mm-hmm. Grudem puts it really well when he talks about every word written in Scripture is as if it's from God. Do we think about yeah. that? Yeah. You know, when it, when it's in the Bible, it's if God is yeah. speaking directly to us, and to disobey Scripture would be to disobey God That's directly, right. Right. Um, humbling as That's we approach right. the text of Scripture. We, we become Adam and Eve, and we become Isaac <laughs> yeah. know, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so, so a good reminder as, as we approach Scripture to just humble our hearts and remember that we are coming into an audience hearing the words of God and that incredible reminder for us as we try and be like, I'm willing to do whatever yep. it says to me and I'm willing to submit to whatever it has for yep. me. I'm going to take this, this posture of humility and expectancy, knowing that God is speaking through this to us. Now, you touched on something a second ago, talking a little bit as people are rushing around, and and we've talked about how compact people's schedules are, and I know our listeners are feeling that uh, even finding time to read is difficult for a lot of them, so it might seem odd that we're recommending that they take additional time to pray, to evaluate their hearts, to, to prepare themselves for the study of the Word. Why is prayer specifically so critical in our study of Scripture? Well, I, I think that, that prayer is a preparation of the heart to receive. Uh, you, you're never more aware of your uh, your exposure, your vulnerability than in prayer. Yeah. You're talking to the one that doesn't just get distracted by your words, but examines the heart and the motive. Yeah. So if you pray as you're going into reading the word, you're laying yourself open for him to do the work. And I think the other is, you know, we would we would go to Barnes and Noble, stand in line. The author's there, and he's doing a book signing. And again, prayer invites the author to come and join mm-hmm. us in the reading of what he wrote. Um, but it, I think it's also 
acknowledgement that most of the time when we talk about prayer, we're talking about what we say to God. But I think 75% of prayer is listening to God speak to me. Mm. And so I go in saying, Lord, I am here now to listen, speak to me, and expecting that he will. Yeah, making ourselves available to yeah. what God would have to say yeah. to us through his word. That's great. So so give us some practical pointers, because one of the things we want to do in this podcast is we want to be practical. Um, obviously, praying in anticipation of study of Scripture, but give us some practical ideas of how you prepare your heart um, to hear from God, to read, to study the Bible. Uh, well, uh, one is just a reminder of why I'm doing it. And uh, as I said to a uh, uh, pastor yesterday, I, I don't know if I'm spiritually mature enough not to be a pastor. Mm. So you, you've got you've got to teach the Word every week, and so that drives you to do the study. So yeah. my perspective, I, I've got to check my attitude before I start and go, am I just cranking out another message and lesson, yeah. or am I really letting God speak? So it's, it's, I think it starts there. Now, some other things are to, to get a Bible that's readable, so that uh, if you need reading glasses, maybe you could get a larger print Bible mm-hmm. or maybe get a translation or a paraphrase that makes it if it's new to you. I, I think another is um, come up with a plan that is manageable. We talked about how busy people are, and I do hope that 50% of the church is still hanging in there. We're a month mm-hmm. into reading through the scriptures. Now's a good time to throw in the towel. So mm-hmm. just pick it up where you are and pick and where the date is and move. But on the other hand, may, maybe you're trying to trying to take too much in. Mm -hmm. So consider how much do I have time for and how much do I do? I think the other thing is uh, have a journal and a pen ready. And uh, as you see things, mark it down or write in your Bible. There's nothing better than marking it in the margin of your Bible. So it's bringing all those things to the action. But I think the other is I understand I'm not going to understand it on a first read. Mm. And so it is It is so simple that you can teach it to children, and it is so deep that 90-year-olds are still discovering new mm. truths. And so go in there knowing I'm going to have to read it, then I'm going to have to reread it. And the third time I read it, I'm going to see things I didn't see mm. before. And maybe the other one is this is a just a practical suggestion, is that most of the apps have an audio and again, I think we said that before. If you just listen to it, you will see things you can't see with your eyes. Mm. Your ears will pick up on things that your eyes missed. So going in with the idea that I really want to learn and I'm expecting to learn, so I come to it with that mindset. Well, and it takes us back to kind of that idea of remembering we're here to hear from God. You know, don't be afraid to hit that pause button and say, God, I'm, I'm struggling with that. Reveal yeah. my heart to me. You know, yeah. pray some of Scripture. I think it's Whitney the, whose book is, is written on yes. praying Scripture and the idea of that really convicted me. Pray about it in the moment. Stop reading. Pause for a moment. Say, Holy Spirit, you're, you're convicting me of something. And, and let that be yeah. a two-way dialogue. Let God yeah. speak, but also respond to him, both with his yeah. words and with your need, yeah. you know, as a really healthy reminder. And I, I would say, and, and when, when he smacks you upside the head with a two-by-four, you know, uh, share that with somebody. Mm. So it, it kind of drives it home when you say, here's what God did, and encourages them to read yeah. the word differently, but also it reminds you that God has spoken. I should do something with that. 
Good deal. Good deal. Well, that's 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 an important thing to remember as as we begin to study because often we rush right into the study. You know, even as I think about your, you, what you're talking about, and as I go to prepare to teach on something, I jump right into reading. And I go, wait, I didn't pause. I didn't prepare my heart. I didn't ask the Spirit to guide my reading. It's important to remember that this is not simply an intellectual exercise. This is not just checking a box. We are seeking an encounter with God, the God of the Word, through the power of His Holy Spirit, right. and. And that incredible reminder for us of what we're doing, you know, I even think of Habits of Grace, this book that I was reading from, and how he frames it, that we think of spiritual disciplines as rote things that we have to do, but what we're seeking is to know God more. And the reminder of how we approach the scriptures is a huge reminder in the fact that we're seeking a relationship with the God who wrote them. And I particularly love the way Mathis wraps up the original quote um, that I started what we were talking about with when he says, when he says it this way. When we get alone with the Bible, we are not alone. God has not left us to ourselves to understand his words and feed our own souls. No matter how thin your training, no matter how spotty your routine, the helper stands ready. Take up the text with confidence that God is primed to bless your being with his very breath. There is more than meets the eye to Bible reading and study as habits of grace. There is a variable we can't control, an enigmatic power we cannot command, a mysterious goodness we can only receive. He is the Holy Spirit. That's an excellent reminder, which as we head out into the week, as we prepare our hearts for that, I I hope that's helpful to the listeners. Um, But as we also get ready for hearing the word taught, as we get ready for your sermon on Sunday, um, this Sunday is coming, we get Jacob in Genesis 25 through 35, roughly. Um, Help us prepare our hearts. How, or what are you looking forward to teaching on Sunday? Well, the thing is, you get in Jacob is that you see that no matter how human messes up God's plan, God's plan still rules. And Mm. uh, Jacob, the great deceiver, and you see man trying to manipulate the will of God and do it in man's way. Um, So regrettably, what I'm not looking forward to is how much Jacob exposes us, Mm. that that we are deceptive and we're deceivers, and uh, we often get back what we dish out to others. But at the same time, God faithfully works through it and there's a there's a crisis moment where uh, Jacob is finally broken he's been looking for the blessing in all the wrong places and finally there's a change in this man and uh, I think the other one is the, the shocking response of the brother who had determined to kill him he had the Cain attitude Mm-hmm. And I think we'll be surprised when we find out what his attitude is when Jacob finally <laughs> slithers home. Good reversal of roles yeah. a bit there and the way it feels, no doubt. Any interpretive questions you're wrestling with, things that you're still trying to sort out? Oh, yeah, several. <laughs> 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 right now, and whether it will show up in the study on Sunday or not, is that he says that he has seen the face of God and mm-hmm. lives. And then he, he limps from this point forward. <laughs> So do I have to anticipate that if I do see the face of God, I can still live, but I'll limp the rest of my mm. life? So you, you see those transitions. And then you realize even, even when it becomes, as it were, a broken, humble man, hard times are still ahead. Yeah. And so the blessing of the Lord does not guarantee we won't have to depend on the Lord through troubled times. So I think there are a lot of people that are going to want to hear that, yeah. that God is still faithful even though we go through the trials. 
Yeah. So how do we prepare our hearts to hear that? Well, I, th- I think it's acknowledging that I desperately need that God to speak to me. Mm. And, and come, I would say, come recognizing where your struggles are and say, I think that in the life of Jacob, God is going to have some encouragement for me, maybe a reproof for me. I may be more like Jacob than I want to admit that I am and come ready to repent of that. And praise God for the fact that Genesis tells the story of a faithful God amongst fallen men, which is exactly where we find ourselves at each and every day as well. Absolutely. Excellent reminder. Well, I hope you join us on Sunday for the message about Isaac for for what Tom just shared a little bit about. And uh, that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us for our Midweek in the Word podcast. And remember the anticipation of the story of Jacob. We have Genesis 27 and 28 in our reading. So if you get the time to read through that, prayerfully consider that in anticipation of Tom's sermon. And as always, if you're interested in more, remember our Bible interpretation class starts this Sunday during second hour in the fellowship hall. We'd love to have you join us for that. Um, We will be praying for you this week. We'll specifically be praying that the Holy Spirit would be in your study, in the hearing of the Word, with us on Sunday morning as we sit under the teaching of the Word. And we hope you join us again next week as we cover the life of Jacob. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.